you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. It is Monday. More importantly, it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yes, a day to look back and respect the man, his words, his actions, what he stood for, but also I think a day to remember he was just that. He was a man, a man who affected many because much like with fear, hope and the ideas for progress, they're contagious. And today there was a thing I wanted to open with because yes, I'm very much a cynic and I feel like a lot of the time on this show, I'm talking about how the world is a dumpster fire. But in the words of Martin Luther King, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. That is as important to remember now as it was then, as it will be in the future. But with that uncharacteristically positive intro aside, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button if you wanna help spread some common sense news coverage, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing that we're gonna talk about today is this latest wave of creators openly getting incredibly angry, pissed off, or at the very least, increasingly annoyed about NFT stunts. And this is in part kind of the continuation and, and somewhat connected to artists getting pissed off about NFTs, specifically with theft of their work. With people like Jim Caddick raising awareness on this, pointing to just the latest instance of it. Right, an NFT of his channel was listed on OpenSea, seemingly by a user named Stake the Web, with featuring a digital card of the channel logo. And when you look at the listing for the NFT, the unique URL is actually just the channel link. With Jim adding, at least if you stole my shit and tried selling it off, make it a t-shirt, a mug, a clock, a thing that you can use and enjoy. Shilling off a profile picture for a collection you can just make yourself on a Facebook photo album is honestly a new level of pathetic. But the same thing happening with Stephanie Sterling, also known as Jim Sterling, who tweeted, Frankly not surprised that some freeloading leech turned my channel into an NFT. As gross as it is, I find it justifying I did not consent to this, I do not want this, and it demonstrates everything I've said about how disrespectful and exploitive this market is. Scum. And then the final example of this is I guess someone decided I want to steal this creator's image, sell it as an NFT, but let's also throw harassment into the mix by photoshopping the creator Alana Pierce on a porn magazine cover and selling it as an NFT. With Alana sharing on her Twitter, in extremely predictable news, I've just been informed that somebody has taken an image of me that I own, added a trademarked porn logo to it, and minted it to sell for profit as an NFT. Naturally, I was not asked for permission. I cannot wait for the lawsuits. And as all this started to blow up, you had a spokesperson for OpenSea telling the gamer, OpenSea supports an open and creative ecosystem in which people have greater freedom and ownership over digital items of all kinds. One of our operating principles is to support creators and their audiences by deterring theft and plagiarism on our platform. And adding to that end, it is against our policy to sell NFTs using plagiarized content, which we regularly enforce in various ways, including delisting and in some instances banning accounts, as was the case in this instance. With many saying that OpenSea needs to do better at the very least so they can be more mainstream, but also they really have no excuse now. With the number of people pointing to the fact that they just raised hundreds of millions of dollars at an over $13 billion valuation. And then we need to talk about YouTuber and entrepreneur Mr. Beast beating a child, like absolutely destroying a child, which maybe you've seen the, the news pop up in the headlines, so it's not getting as much traction as I would expect it would. But obviously you hear that and you're like, okay, I got questions. One, why? Two, where do you get the strength? He's been knocked out with COVID for the past two weeks. Which is why I should probably clarify that when I say Mr. Beast beat a child, I mean in revenue in dollars. With Forbes reporting that Mr. Beast unseated the previous king, Ryan Toys Review, as the highest paid YouTuber in the world. With Ryan dropping from first to seventh, so Mr. Beast wasn't the only one beating him. But you had Forbes reporting that Mr. Beast brought in $54 million Jake Paul monetizing your hate against him for $45 million, followed by Markiplier, Rhett and Link, Unspeakable, and more. And according to Forbes, the top paid YouTubers earned a collected $300 million in 2021, which yes, is a big number on its own, but notably, it's also a 40% increase from the total last year. And the other revealing thing with these numbers is that you had Forbes noting that there's an overlap between the top on YouTube and mainstream media, pointing out that Mr. Beast actually would've been in the top 40 of their last Celebrity 100. Are you talking about being ahead of people like Billie Eilish? And then in, is this incredibly smart or incredibly 
deadly fucking stupid news. Let's talk about the trusted driver program that as of this last Saturday is being tested in a city just outside of San Antonio. And the question at the center of this program is would you rather be pulled over for a minor traffic violation or would you want the police officers just to text you the ticket? With Val Garcia, the CEO of the program saying, if we minimize those interactions just for minor traffic violations, police have more time to dedicate to serious crime like individuals driving while intoxicated that are on the road, reckless drivers, racing. But a key thing here is that all of this is voluntary. Drivers in the area actually have to sign up to be involved, otherwise they're just gonna get pulled over like normal. And of course, with this, you have Garcia really pushing for people to sign up. Also, adding that they can include information like whether they have autism or are deaf, so the police know before an interaction starts. With some also arguing this could be beneficial for minorities that are nervous of interactions with the police, that they could escalate, so hey, just send me the ticket. But of course, on the other side, you have a number of people saying this is incredibly stupid, and if anything, it's just a cash grab from the government. They're saying this isn't really about police officers having to deal with the heavy crime, but rather just a way to increase revenue through more tickets. And so of course, with this story, I wanna know everyone's thoughts, but also especially if in the United States you're a part of minority group that statistically has a higher chance of facing police brutality, which often stems from normal traffic stops. But also too, to close this story, I don't think there's a world where I would ever fucking sign up for this. Like if you're gonna inconvenience me, you are going to find me, I'm gonna make you work for it. I'm not gonna make it easier for you to make my life harder. But also that's just one man's thinking and that's not what this show is about, so I'd love to know yours. But from that, I wanna take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show, stamps.com slash Phil. Whether you're a small office setting out invoices and online sellers shipping orders, or even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com is great for any size business. Personally, I love how convenient and cost-effective this is for my business. I mean, I can get all the mailing and shipping done without even leaving my home. And for more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over a million businesses. You can print official US postage from your computer 24 seven, no special supplies or equipment needed. And with Stamps.com slash Phil, you get exclusive discounts on post office rates like 40% off USPS and 76% UPS rates. Using Stamps.com just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages this time of year. It saves me time time and money, freeing me up to produce the show, work on the new studio, create fantastic clothes for the next beautiful bastard drop. So yeah, save time and money and go to stamps.com slash Phil to get a four week trial plus free postage in a digital scale. There's no risk, no long-term commitments, no contracts, and never go to the post office again. That's stamps.com slash Phil. And then with it being MLK Day and voting rights legislation seemingly set to die in the Senate because two or a few Democrats will be joining the stonewalling Republicans in not getting rid of the filibuster, I think it's important to note this is not a new issue. And MLK actually spoke on this back in 1963. I think the tragedy is that uh, we have a Congress uh, with a Senate that has a minority of misguided senators who will use the filibuster to keep the majority of people from even voting. They won't let the majority of senators vote. And certainly they wouldn't want the majority of people to vote because they know they do not represent the majority of the American people. With that clip and just people being aware of where Dr. King stood on the issue of voting rights being part of the reason we've seen a number of Republican lawmakers getting backlash on social media today, right? With a number of those Republicans in question, quoting and praising Dr. King with people saying, okay, so you're doing this, but you're also voting or standing against voting rights legislation. And personally, I agree with those who say that these are just deceitful politicians cherry picking quotes from Dr. King while actively working to destroy his legacy. But being a disingenuous bullshitter isn't illegal. And if anything, it's a historic American tradition when it comes to politicians. And then let's talk about how Europe is on high alert as a potential invasion of Ukraine is imminent. Russia and the US were initially making progress during talks in Geneva, but on the last day, Russia seemed to have stonewalled the United States, causing the talks to fall apart. The US representative said after the talks that, quote, the drumbeat of war is sounding loud and the rhetoric has gotten rather shrill. And US Senator Chris Murphy said that US intelligence believes an invasion could be imminent. The US has revealed intelligence showing that Russia is planning a false flag operation to justify an invasion of Ukraine within the next month. Meanwhile, Poland warned that Europe is at the greatest risk of war in 30 years 
understand that members of the OSCE must take their security obligations seriously. Now, Russia denies it has plans to invade Ukraine. However, intelligence shows their troops moving closer to the Ukrainian border. And on Friday, Russian's foreign minister began his press conference by threatening Ukraine, the US, Finland, Sweden, and all NATO members. And Russia is also suspected to have been behind Friday's cyber attacks on Ukraine. So with all that, it's easy to see why NATO members and other nations near Russia have grown increasingly worried about their actions. So obviously we're gonna keep an eye on this and I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Because unfortunately, there's no reason to think that this thing is far from over. And then finally today, let's talk about the hostage crisis at the Beth Israel Synagogue in Colleyville, Texas that took place over the weekend. We've got some new information today, but to start at the beginning, during the Saturday morning service, an armed man entered the congregation, taking four people hostage, including Rabbi Charlie Citron Walker. According to law enforcement officials, the man brandished a gun, claiming he had explosives, though no explosives were found. Also, notably because the service was being live streamed on Zoom and Facebook, audio of the hostages was broadcast for some of the ordeal. And according to people who heard the live stream, the man entered the synagogue by knocking on the glass door, pretending that he needed shelter, so Citron Walker let him in. One member of the congregation who was listening to the live stream telling reporters that the suspect kind of bounced back and forth between being apologetic and screaming hysterically, talking repeatedly about how he hated Jewish people. Others saying that he could be heard making an escalated series of threats, repeatedly saying that he would set off a bomb. At one point while speaking to negotiators, he implied the children of the hostages would be orphaned. But finally, after hours of speaking with negotiators, police said that one hostage was released unharmed. With the Colleyville police chief also saying that at around 9 p.m., nearly 11 hours after the congregants had been taken hostage, the FBI's elite hostage rescue team breached the building and rescued the other three hostages. Though notably here, the hostages have disputed that account. Rabbi Citron Walker telling reporters that he threw a chair at the suspect and then escaped with the other two hostages. With one of the other hostages, Jeffrey Cohen, also appearing to back up that account, writing in a Facebook post, first of all, we escaped. We weren't released or freed. With the rabbi also saying in a statement that security trainings, including some specifically intended to help synagogues and Jewish communities to develop safety plans, helped the hostages survive the crisis. So while it is officially unclear how the hostages got out, video from a local news station does show them fleeing the building right before a man holding a gun could be seen in the entrance. With that man seen going back inside, groups of law enforcement personnel then swarming the building, followed by the sounds of gunfire and a loud blast. The suspect was ultimately killed during the standoff, though authorities at this time have not said whether he was shot or he shot himself, saying the matter is still under investigation. And as far as what we know about this suspect, the FBI identified him as a British national who entered the country through New York two weeks ago. Now, officials have not yet said why he targeted this Texas synagogue some 1,600 miles away, but reportedly with people who heard this live stream saying the suspect had chosen this synagogue because it was the closest assemblage of Jews to a prison in Fort Worth where a convicted Pakistani terrorist was serving an 86-year sentence. So the suspect reportedly saying that he wanted the woman in question released, that he wanted to see her, and then they would rise together in Jannah, the Muslim concept of heaven where faithful devotees go after Judgment Day. And so with all this, on Sunday you had the FBI describing the crisis as a terrorism-related matter in which the Jewish community was targeted, adding that the matter was being investigated by the Joint Terrorism Task Force. And notably, the agency said that there was no indication that other people were involved in this incident, but then late yesterday, the news broke that in England, the Greater Manchester Police Department had detained two teenagers for questioning in connection with the investigation, though not providing any additional information. Now, all that said, while we wait for more information to come in, I will say I think the lowest bar of entry here is to just call this terrorism. I know this morning I saw a few articles popping up saying, you know, someone close to him said, you know, there were mental health problems. And to that, I would argue, okay, we can look into that, but I also think you could argue that uh, a lot of people who uh, try to inflict violence for extremist reasons, probably not all okay up there. I imagine the majority of people with mental health problems aren't like, you know what, I should make the Jews my hostages. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. If you want to watch some full shows or some of the new shorts, you can click or tap right there. But as always, thank you for watching. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.